This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have an amazing entrepreneur right up my specialty and alley, so we're going to have a great conversation. Brett O'Brien, he is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer of Frito-Lay North America. Welcome to The Playbook. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you because we have so many people in our community that want your job. And I know that doesn't make you nervous, never has made me nervous. In fact, when I was running Lee Steinberg, the sports agency, I always told my wife, I said, if they only knew the glamorized stuck of being the CEO of Lee Steinberg, uh, go ahead, take my job, please. Uh, and as long as I can keep the money. But more importantly, uh, it's not easy. Uh, if we connected the dots backwards uh, to your journey, nobody would probably believe this is where you would have ended up uh, with the greatest brands in the world and being the CMO of these fantastic brands. Uh, I was hoping you could share that journey and along with it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of the mindset uh, so those younger entrepreneurs will realize they're not alone, uh, that everyone's felt this way. You know, I wanted to be an NFL superstar, but this is what happened. So if you could share that with us, it'd be terrific. Yeah, sure. Happy to. And uh, yeah, I don't want anybody to take my job because I love my job. So I'm good. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. You know, so um, I uh, I grew up outside of Boston and um, I uh, I went to school in D.C. For, for college and I stayed in D.C. after and worked in sports marketing. So so similar as you, I, I uh, worked for a, 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 a um, agency called Advantage at the time, which is now Octagon Sports. And I really wanted to work in sports. I loved marketing. I was an English and government major. I didn't know what I was going to do in my life, but I love sports marketing. I loved going to games and looking at um, what was on the billboards, what was in the dugout, why, you know, why some some teams had a certain thing in the dugout and other ones had had different things and and what you could buy as a as a fan uh, in the concourse. Like that stuff just resonated with me. And I I um I I really wanted to work in that environment. And so um so I went and worked, I got an internship at this agency and I worked at J crew at night to, uh, to pay the bills. And, um, you know, I just, I guess, I guess it started a journey for me of just trying to learn as much as I could and trying to engage and, and figure things out as I went, um, and ended up staying in the sports world for, for a good four and a half years. And then went to, um, went to business school and in between my first and second years of business school, I landed an internship with Pepsi and I, I knew I wanted to work in culture. Like I love the sports. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But I said, you know what, God, I got to learn a lot more and I got to learn beyond sports. I, like how do brands infiltrate culture and how, why are they meaningful in culture? Why do they drive culture? Why do people care? Um, so I thought, let me go get a job in a, with a brand that, that was a, a, a central connection point within culture, utilize culture to spread its message. And I fell in love with Pepsi and, and, and the different brands within the Pepsi portfolio. And so worked um, uh, in all kinds of different marketing roles within Pepsi uh, and then for about 12 years and then, uh, and then jumped to move to Chicago and, and lived, um, lived here and, and worked uh, for the Gatorade brand and um, ran that brand for, for a good little over 10 years. Uh, so back to my sports marketing roots, but also kind of that, that, that you know, CPG world uh, connection. Uh, and then a little over a year ago, was asked to uh, go back into marketing and um, and and lead the uh, the Frito Lay portfolio, the the PepsiCo Foods portfolio of brands. And so, um, you know, I I don't know that 
I certainly know that when I graduated from college, I had no idea that I'd, I'd be in this position. But I always fantasized about being, uh, you know, with brands that actually mattered, that with with a brand that, you know, kind of drove culture that the people cared about. And um, you'd walk into a store and say, you know, how great would it be to walk into a store and say, I did that, or, or that packaging was was because of a concept that that my team had or something. And um so I love I I I love my job and and love the fact that I get to to you know work with an amazing team and amazing brands every day. Yeah, best in class for sure. And it's interesting because the firm that I ran was always related to Jerry Maguire the movie, and people would ask me about it. I said, you know, it really made a difference in my life because it's not a sports film; it's a love story with a sports backdrop, and that philosophy has guided me. I actually got hired to be the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment because of my technology background. Mm -hmm. And I've always utilized sports in the backdrop of working for Samsung as CEO of that division or with West Publishing out of law school. Being an English and poli-sci major as well, I was more <laughs> like you, you kind of keeping yeah. my options open. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's really important when people have a passion to understand the difference between uh, actually this, you know, I think it's dumbfounded. I, I want to work in sports. Well, you don't work in sports, right? You you have skills, knowledge, and desire that are aligned with the backdrop of working in sports, whether it's a Gatorade, a Cheetos, Doritos, Lay's. Uh, those are great uh, business uh, skill sets in order to effectuate being around sports and still sharing that past. And as a Boston fan, especially, you can win and have the best of both worlds. Was there any other philosophies that guided you uh, as people, you know, not necessarily in the space, giving you advice to build those skills, that knowledge and desire that you've been able to do throughout your career? Is there any philosophy that's guided you? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think for me, it was um, it, it's it's it just just following exactly what you're saying, which is there wasn't that one thing that I always felt like that's the next thing I need to do, or that's the next job that I have to have. It wasn't that at all. It was like, Oh my God, there's so much I need to learn and so many things I need to try to figure out that wouldn't it be great if I could go get experience doing this or that. Um, so I guess thinking in terms of experience building versus specific roles always made a big difference for me. Uh, I think about it in terms of, um, of like the Batman, uh, you know, he's got that that tool belt and he can reach for all kinds of stuff depending on the situation. Um, isn't it great to think about your career as building your own tool belt? And so that by the time you get into situations as you progress, you've got experience that allows you to utilize the different tools that are on your belt. And so thinking about that next role, that next thing, it's less about that's what I want. It's more about, man, I got all kinds of space in my tool belt. How do I go uh, try to try to try to build the right experiences here? You certainly have. And looking at the brands listed behind you and other brands that you've worked with, you know, all I can think of is best in class, the world's greatest brands. And there's a certain frequency. Other people define it as authenticity. Uh, and they talk about it a lot today in brand building, in best of class brand building. But there's actually some common threads I find between not only companies uh, that have these best in class brands, but even within the context of companies like yours that have a lot of best in class brands. And to me, I define it not as authenticity, but as a frequency uh, mm -hmm. that can be communicated, but yet they seem to be grounded in values. And so mm -hmm. 
I was hoping you could talk about communicating shared values as a uh, cornerstone to building these extraordinary brands that you have participated in building. Yeah, it's um, you're right about that. <clears throat> there has to be some sort of of shared value, shared perspective, because otherwise, as a consumer, you're solely choosing based on a flavor, based on price. You're not based on you're not choosing based on brand. You're not bringing something into your life on a consistent basis because you care about it and you feel like it cares about you. And so, um, you know, as as you talk about shared value systems, you're right. I mean, it all starts with that consumer. It starts with who are you as an individual? What do you enjoy? What do you bring into your life? How do you live your life? What matters to you when it comes to a brand? When you're walking down the street, how do you want people to perceive you? When you invite people to your home to go watch a Patriots game, what do you want to have on the table uh, so that they feel like, you know, this is this house is a part of who you are. And so um, understanding those consumer values, those truths, and then as a brand, what does it mean to us as a brand to also participate in those same spheres? And I, I think that's incredibly important. And you'll notice that like really, really great brands, brands that matter, don't change all the time. They're not constantly reevaluating themselves and saying, oh, now we mean this or now we mean that. They're very consistent because they truly have a core. You know, Doritos, I think, is, is a great example of that, which, you know, Doritos, probably when you were younger, certainly when I was younger, you uh, man, I love Doritos because they they kind of were like the the they they spoke to me as as a as a young kid growing up and they still have that same messaging of you know what look look at life through a different lens like like think about things a little bit differently it was the first ever triangle chip the things that we we partner with from a Dorito standpoint they're not your norm and there's a reason for that and so when it comes to whether it's gaming or sports or or culture music those things we connect to are reflective of the people who we know will engage in Doritos at a higher level and stay with that brand for a lifetime because it means something to who they are. It's so true. And there, people buy an emotion for logical reasons and uh, to the extent of Doritos, and I will specify taco flavor Doritos, by the way, <laughs> my grandfather, <laughs> my grandfather used to fill up and I won't mention the brand, but there was an old delivery uh, service in Dayton, Ohio, that would give you these big circle cans of other products, and he would empty them and pour his Doritos in there. And isn't that great? <laughs> still to this day, yeah, uh, you'll find at least two bags uh, of those taco flavored Doritos that I share with my son and hopefully my grandson in front of the TV. Which brings up my next point: is sports marketing. When I left Lee Steinberg with Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, mm -hmm. I mirrored the model. I you know, shared, we'll talk about the model that you had uh, seen and grown up with, with, with Frito-Lay and, and with uh, all the different brands that you have. It's bring the right people to the right experience. Yeah. And then whatever the product service or solution is, it takes on that neighborhood. I would say our frequency is our neighborhood. So when I brought Troy Aikman, Steve Young and Warren Moon to the World Cup, and then we brought the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers to invite them to the World Cup. And then we had brands like yours at the World Cup. Yeah. Everybody took on the same frequency. And I have seen Frito-Lay play this major role in order to effectuate the same thing we tried, which is actual social impact. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we would bring in a charity mm -hmm. as well. And I'm going to pick on one of them. There's so many things you guys support. 
But the one that stands out to me is to contribute to the equity uh, mm -hmm. in the world. And women's sports, obviously, we just saw the U.S. Open. Billie yeah. Jean King played a prominent role, obviously, in bringing equity and pay. First one, 50-year anniversary this year. Years, yeah. And all I could think of is Frito-Lay has been doing this for a long time. And not just supporting it with your brand and sponsorship participation, but actual dollars which really makes the difference as we see certain sports because of the dollars have a much more prominent role and allow, I have three daughters and one son, but it allows my daughters to have a belief system of equity beyond just a program of equity. How important is it to Frito-Lay to make these investments, not only just in women's sports, but into a variety of different causes that have changed our own country and even the world's culture? Yeah, I think I think the women's sports uh, is a great example, and it's one that um, it it really matters a great deal to me. Similar to you, I have a, a daughter, and um, she's a she's a a great athlete, and um, it's it's so important for her and millions of girls out there to see people that look like them, that think like them, that act like them, that grew up like them. Um, and, and, and people who didn't grow up like them, but are women who are doing amazing things that they can aspire to be like and say, you know what, if I put the work in, I can do that too, as opposed to, mm, it's kind of a guy's thing and, and uh, maybe it's not for me. The amount of dropout rate of, of girls um, uh, in, uh, in sports is, is, is really sad. And, and it's for so many reasons. It's body image issues. It's aspirationally they're just it's not where it needs to be in terms of i can see myself there they're not having the mentorship and the coaching that they need um and so what role can our brands play in that in establishing you know what no you do matter and women's sports are just as amazing as men's sports if not in other ways <laughs> better and so how do we talk about that and how do we get that vernacular out there so that people can see it and touch it and be a part of it and then say, no, I don't want to leave that high school team. I do want to stay because it's important enough to me that it reflects my values and who I am. And so, you know, we, we did a program with Cracker Joe this year. And, you, you know, everybody for years has known it as Cracker Jack. He's singing it at every baseball game. Um, and we flipped it and called it Cracker Jill because it just, we wanted to represent the power of female athletes and what they've done to transcend sport. And so, we did a great program with all kinds of uh, female athletes from across the country uh, and utilized it as a platform to then celebrate the amazing things that we're seeing in the World Cup. But it goes way beyond the World Cup. You don't have to wait every four years for us to celebrate women's sports. And I think um, that's something you'll continue to see quite a bit from us, whether it's the WNBA and the amazing inroads that they're placing there. And, and I mean, my God, those that game just gets more and more exciting every year. And they've got legitimate superstars that are making massive inroads in that game. I love it. So, you know, between the WNBA and 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 FIFA and what we're doing, uh, even at the local level with with uh, some of the emergence of the the uh, the women's uh, you know soccer league, there's just really great opportunities out there for us to attach ourselves to to females and say, hey, you guys are doing amazing things. Let us help you uh, broadcast that a bit more. Phenomenal. Last subject um, is staying relevant. You know, sitting on top of uh, the hill is difficult and I've been blessed to market the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I always thought the variance was amazing. Like a Joe Namath, one of the mm -hmm. few uh, athletes that have been able to stay relevant for so long, where other Hall of Famers could walk down the street with me, go through the airport and 
you know, people say, so what do you do? You know, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. yet these were like my superheroes of my life walking with a Charlie Joyner, you know, or someone like yeah. that, where yeah. our generation would absolutely know who they are. I see the same thing holding true today with technology rapidly uh, making it more challenging to stay relevant, especially with the siloed communities uh, mm. that exist. Um, how are you future proofing Frito-Lay today with so many brands and in order to keep them relevant? Yeah, it, it, it's hard. And, you know, you, rate, you brought technology and the the advancement of technology. It's it's so hard to keep on top of that. It, it's it's moving so fast. And yet um, yeah, it's a challenge to try to understand. So then how do we best utilize that? How do we understand our consumers even more as a result of the advances in technology? And so the beauty is, and I'm sure you experienced this throughout your career too, is you're not in it alone. You've got really, really smart people who are on top of, of technology, who are on top of sport, who are on top of fashion and culture and music, and um, really can help uh, progress brands uh, forward. And so, um, you know, whether it's internal folks that we carry throughout our brands, that we've got some some of the smartest minds out there, or some agencies that we rely on to say, you know, give me some inputs. And to be honest, I've got two kids who keep me in, incredibly engaged and, and tell me all kinds of the stuff that I need to know. And, and why aren't you doing this? Or, you know, this and this, and it's awesome. So it is, it's a lot of reliance on folks who, who, who are experts at what they do and um, who can teach me a lot along the way and help our brands uh, progress because of their expertise. Well, there was no doubt you take a Boston sports fan and it's going to end up talking <laughs> about teamwork and the yeah. best coaches, teachers, and mentors in the world. Unfortunately yeah. for me, not from Boston, always competing against them. I will share real quick before I let you go, Brad. I landed in Boston uh, with ESPN to go to the Celtics uh, playoff game. And there was a billboard. And I will have to tell you, I, I, I love sports, but it just made me hate Boston sports because it said, <laughs> it said our, our last championship was 105 days ago. Uh, and, and, and being born in Akron, Ohio and living in San Diego, California, yeah. That is not the billboard that really you want to see. Uh, just <laughs> jealousy is a terrible ego-based consciousness. Take it as a compliment, though. Uh, you have learned a lot from being a Boston sports fan, and I can see threads of similarities through the Frito-Lay community and the products and services, solutions, the incredible world-renowned brands, the best-of-class brands that Frito-Lay represents. Thank you so much, Brett O'Brien, the Chief Marketing Officer of Frito-Lay North America. Thank you for sharing your playbook to success in the sports marketing industry as a whole. This is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, the Playbook.